Allegedly. Welcome to Craft Beer Cast. I'm Josh. That's Jeff. What's happening, guys? Hey, Wells, what's up with you? Not much. What's up with you? Oh. Same. Same. Same old, same old. <sighs> so, uh, anything exciting? No, nothing exciting because it's literally like five minutes after we recorded show one. Sure. Yeah. So, but we know the rules. We got to talk through music. Um, TV shows. Severance. Start fucking watching it. He's right. Okay. It's really good. I was on Josh's case for months to start it. He finally did. And he's like, yes. It's very good. It's very good. <sighs> I know. Like, uh, do you like Stephen Merchant at all? Yeah. Um, that Amazon show I know he's got out there, I haven't given it a chance it's, yet. I, you know, like, it is... It's filler. It's fine. You know? Like, it's... Because Nick Frost did one out there, too. I think it was on Prime. Uh, he was a ghost hunter. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, it was... Those it shows was, never work out. It wasn't great. Um, I got made it... Hell, like, Adam no. Scott and uh, uh, Craig Robinson had a ghost hunter show. It was really good. Was it? Yeah, okay. actually it was. I thought it was really funny, but... I never made it past the first time. In classic Fox tradition, they killed it long before it even got legs. Right. Right. Now, but Outlaws isn't bad, you know? I mean, it's... It's an interesting story, I guess, and okay. I don't know. Like I said, it's it's space filler, but you know, you get Christopher Walken doing Christopher Walken things, and you know, oh, Stephen Merchant doing Stephen Merchant things, and so you know. Which, by the way, I don't know if you gentlemen heard, but this is the last season of Lasso. Like they've already come out and said yeah. we're, we're done after this season. Season well, four is it? I mean, I, I hate it, but I'm glad. Yeah, finish while you can and finish strong. Unlike Space Force, I don't know if either of you watched that, but Netflix the first season unceremoniously and... killed it before it even got a finale. Well, I, I muscled through the first season, and it just wasn't funny. Yeah, it really wasn't, which Space Force Wells, in case you didn't watch, it was Greg Daniels, and take a guess who Greg Daniels would work with. Somebody that you would want him to work with. Krell. I mean, it was I, terrible. I know about it. I just saw the ads and I'm like, this looks like trash. Yeah, it wasn't really good. Like, and, I'm fine with satire. I'm fine with parody. But like, if it's not going to be at least, if I can get through a whole episode of a show like that and not even like chuckle once, that's not a good sign. Nah, that's that's true. Well, welcome to the canceled showcast. Speaking of canceled, look at that fucking segue. Speaking of canceled. Uh, so Bud Light and Anheuser Busch has had a a longtime uh, partner, longtime advertising agency partner uh, since 2015. Um, Weed Kennedy, Wyden, whatever. So anyway, they've exclusively been exclusively been working with this one ad agency since 2015 on Bud Light um, advertising. They are spending a ton of money on this. Uh, $52 million on just Bud Light advertising. Bud Light seltzer spend is $91 million. I, I know. And this is the reason that I kind of... That's like three Super Bowl commercials, right? Um, so anyway... I, I guess things just aren't working out and they're looking to go in a different direction and they've kind of opened this contract up for bid. The old uh, ad firm is not going to be pursuing the new contract. Um, I'm just so disappointed we never got seltzer dilly dilly. Right? Oh, I guess so. I don't really care about like how who Bud Light is working with in terms of advertising, I just ended up reading this article and I literally had an eyes pop out of my head moment. $52 million on traditional and offline media in just in the United States on Bud Light. Well, but, but when you stop and think about it, like you watch a football game. Okay. If you watch Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night football, yeah. there is at least one Bud commercial For sure. per ad break. Oh, yeah. And we're not talking playoffs. We're not talking Super Bowl. We're just talking a regular season Thursday night game. Yep. I mean, it's no wonder that they are spending this amount of money on it. It's just crazy. Um, having worked for smaller producers with no budget whatsoever. Yeah. Um, 
52 million dollars is just I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. And now you know why the Bud Night Night was so or Bud Light Night was so popular. Cuz they shoved it down our throats with constant advertisements. Yikes. I'd rather have a sperm whale down my throat than that. And speaking of, I don't know, maybe. The uh, I didn't know this, but apparently Bud had a 34-year exclusive run on the Super Bowl for alcoholic advertisements. Yep. What? Yep. Since 1989, you have only seen commercials for Anheuser-Busch products. Yep. Really? Yep. Which, when you stop and think about it, all of a sudden you go, huh, you're right, because it was the Clydesdales, it was the Frogs, it was the Dilly Dilly, it was the Bud Light Night, it was Guy Fieri in this last Super Bowl. Like, it's always been just them. And they have finally decided to not pursue that exclusivity contract any longer, so other... Alcoholic beverage companies will now be able to advertise in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it could be liquor from Diageo. It could yep. be Corona from Constellation. It could be, uh, who knows? It can be any anything else. I think, and that's the thing, I, I never really noticed that they were the only one because they are, again, throwing 10 different brands at you. Right. But... But but then see too. This is where I guess Mandela effect in my head of going. I could have sworn I could remember the taste light. No, it's you remember taste great, less filling, filling. more light. But I like could, that was like way back when. So the, way back right, when. but you see that's that Mandela effect in my brain of going. No, I remember seeing that commercial growing up as a kid it, during a Super Bowl, but clearly I didn't because. They had a 34-year run of exclusivity. So I Mandela effect that affected that into a Super Bowl that never happened. It's wild that this is the only category that has an exclusivity yes. contract. Yeah, no, nothing else in. did. And now this is the last one. And, and that's not to say that AB won't be advertising during the Super Bowl. They, right. they will. It's just they aren't going to be spending that additional however many million dollars that it contract, the exclusivity contract demands them to spend. Yep. So you'll still get your Bud Light commercial, but you'll also maybe get a Corona, <laughs> maybe get a Miller, maybe get a... Who knows, man? Yeah, uh, it'll be wild to see what actually happens. I mean, I can't believe I'm already thinking about Super Bowl and it's June. Yep. July. What else are you going to think about? Baseball, right? There's baseball. no crying in baseball. I, I, I was uh, scrolling through my news feed and I saw like, they were like, "Oh yeah, and you know Steph Curry wins his fourth NBA," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, the NBA." Kind of yeah. forgot about them too. Yeah. Uh. So, Wells, you were all excited about this article. You even put notes in it and said, "Show two. Why are we talking about this in show two? What are we talking about first? I, I put a note in this, as in like, this belongs in show two. I didn't really want this. This is just a topic. To talk oh, okay. About. Fair enough. So, what are we talking about? We yes. are talking about casks. Okay. We're talking about firkins. Oh, the, firkins the like, little thing you put down in your crotch. That's a to merkin. Like, oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about a velvet one? Oh, uh, I, I could go for a velvet merkin right about now. Yes. Yes, I Word. could. Oh, Firestone, call me. Um,. This is a, a nice little puff piece from the wine enthusiast um, explaining a very simple concept of cask conditioning for people that might not know anything about cask conditioning, what makes it special, um, what goes into it, this, that, the other. If you've been listening to the show for long enough, odds are you, it's not that we talk about casks on the show because we can't have casks on the show. Something. I mean, we can if we're brave enough. What the hell am you, I going to do with 5.16 gallons of beer? You keep saying we can't do these things, Wells. We can do them if we're brave enough. All right? Don't let your dreams die. Uh, well, uh, I did work for Old Hickory for a number of years. And, man, Stephen loved cast conditioning things. Uh, it was his chance to, you know, take a 
base beer and kind of dress it up in a little bit in yeah. kind of a, a fun way. It was great to have events uh, built around this cask, you know, especially when we had like Event Horizon rollout and mm. we could, you know, suddenly do a cask condition with like cocoa nibs and maple syrup and this, that, and the other, like for it was a it was an attendance driver. Well, I mean, Jeff, I'm sure you famously remember when we did the cask of was it Marky Mark of the Brunchy Brunch that yeah. we had cask? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we're actually uh funny you mentioned that we're and I hate to keep going back to Buzz Beer and Wine, but like we were literally talking about that. So Emily's back working for Grant and and so we got to talking about the old days and that came up because of how Jenny would try to tap that cask and it would just spray everywhere because yep. failure. Yep. Good times. But yeah, like one of our, and I, was that our fastest selling one ever? Because we did three beers with Birdsong. Wouldn't be the first time I saw Jenny get wet. And <sighs> we you know, like, okay, so sold them really quick, but I feel like Brunchy Brunch was the fastest sellout of all I think Brunch, because Brunchy Brunch was the fastest one because we had pours lined up I think that helped. Um, True, but we had that fucking place packed. Victor was packed. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. And uh, Tribute sold fast, but I also think that was partly because we drank so much of it. We did. We were all drinking so much of that beer. Not just us. Like I think the staff was helping themselves, too, which was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. But... uh, So, so, you know, we on the show are no strangers to cast beer. And then, of course, when I... Did my trip to London in 2018. Uh, any pub worth their weight in gold had a cask ale just sitting up there on the counter that you would get a pour from. And is it like from the beer? Is that the beer engine? Or is that a different thing? That's a different if thing. If it's on the counter, it's probably just a gravity pour. Beer engines are more of a climate controlled uh, with a pump mechanism to okay. pull beer out. There was a few that did have beer engines instead of casks yep. that I went to. But, I mean, that was... Any pub that we went to, that was the first thing I would always look for is, what's your cask beer? I know you've got one. Let me try it. Yeah, I remember, I mean, like, there was that hot minute down around that time when we were talking about having those cask beers where casks were very common, Randall beers were very common, you know, and now it just, I don't know if it just isn't worth their time or what the... Yeah, it's kind of, at least here in the States, it has definitely died off because... I remember Randall, the enamel animal that Dogfish had come out with. Yeah, yep. stupid name, but was a cool concept. It was. It was a. It was a nice way of, again, dressing up a beer for a special occasion or an event that didn't result in a ton of waste. Yeah, it was still a, a pourable thing. The thing is, like. I'm not seeing in, at least in our market these days, many cask events because people just don't come out the way they used to on like one sure. night. And okay. cask beer is a very perishable product. Yes, it it's is. It's got to be consumed within three days. I mean, maybe. I mean, that sucker's got to be so consumed as fast as possible. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. And again, maybe this is a Mandela effect thing I'm doing. Didn't Duckworth used to have a cask festival? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I've, okay. I've, I poured at several of them. Okay. And I attended so. several of them too. So yeah, that's long dead. I haven't heard about that in years. Well, uh, that well, particular I know COVID Duckworth, has happened. But. Well, that particular Duckworth closed before COVID hit, so um, they weren't doing the Cask Festival. I mean, that was like a six-year, seven-year event. Gotcha. Which is a long run. Yeah. In mm, maybe but, it wasn't well, six. I Let, guess let's call it five, five to seven. You put it in, so I want to ask. Yeah. Why? Why is it not happening anymore? Why, like Divine Barrel, Comfort and Darkness? I don't think put that baby in a cask and let's put some cocoa nibs in it and some coffee and. I have never seen Divine Barrel even mess with cask condition things. Right. So is it just because it is so perishable so fast? Is is that why you think a lot of places don't do it anymore? Uh, a lot of places don't do it because. The market isn't there for it domestically anymore, unless it's like for an event where you have. I mean that that used to be the driver, mm-hmm. and 
for some reason, people just aren't as hype about it in Charlotte as they used to. be. All right, so, we're gonna bring casks back, so, baby. So and this and so this it may be a little calm A, a little calm B, a little calm C. You think back, and you know we're talking what six years ago, right? You know, give or take, and. Back then, a lot of the breweries around town had their fortified beers. Whereas now you walk in and pretty much everybody is rocking 10, 12 10 plus, yeah. plus easily. And some guest taps and everything else, there just isn't... Like, I don't know. I'd be afraid to even... Like, why do I even need to go to the hassle of putting on a cask when I know I can just make a small batch and it'll sell through just as quick and I don't have to worry about waste? What's the benefit? Like, okay, so I'll, gi- I'll give you a for instance. No, no, What's I, the benefit of doing a cask of Imperial Hop Drop and Roll when I can just make a small batch of Blood Orange Hop Drop and Roll and not be worried about selling it in three days? Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that point. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying like every brewery needs to put out a cask beer constantly, but it's a fun driver. Like, get customers in. Excuse me. Get customers in and. So, uh, Jeff, I know we've got a couple of feelers out for a couple of breweries. I'm, I'm just saying it right now. One of those, let's do a cask. Let's I mean, that could be fun if we can talk them into it. Yep. And then we can talk them into doing a cask. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we can do both. Like, uh, because, I mean, honestly, that was when I was over in the UK, that was my favorite way to have a beer. I didn't want it off the tap. Sure. I wanted it out of the cask. For sure. Because it's... It, Naturally carbonated yeah. hits different. It does. The the bubble formation, the, the size of the CO2 bubbles that's produced, um, the the mouthfeel texture, everything of that beer is different than if it's a forced carb CO2 product. Like off the tap, it's it is different. It's not like yeah. a uh it's not. I feel it's different. It's it's noticeably scientifically different. Oh, absolutely. Um, out of because you know, the wife wasn't really drinking beer back then. Anytime we went to one of those pubs, that was the first thing she would gravitate towards too, because she was like, "This tastes completely different to me." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, because it's naturally carbonated. It's not forced carbed. It sits way different on your tongue. It sits just different on your palate in general." Yeah. Uh, speaking of our friends over in the UK, which if you can't tell, I want to go back really bad. Yeah, I kind of miss it. Well, speaking of our friends over at and AB. AB, the AB pa- uh, podcast. This, this really is the Anheuser Busch podcast. We joked around about it last show, and it's only three stories. That's a three <laughs> stories. We did what six? Yeah, whatever. Uh, they are fighting with a brewery over in the UK. So, Wells, what's happening? So the Forest Road Brewing Company that's been around since 2015, um, that's kind of cool. They they purchased uh, Russian River's original brew house in yeah. California and took it around. They they have a beer called Jupiter, right? Um, what kind what kind of beer is Jupiter? It's a West Coast style IPA. Uh huh. So. They they filed a trademark on Jupiter, and I'm like, well, for starters, how in the world do you file a trademark on Jupiter? On a planet? It's a planet. I know. Um, anyway, uh, AB InBev's lawyers have reached out, and AB has a name that's not Jupiter, but it's, uh, see, I, I, Jupiler? See, see, I'm not... I don't speak French. Parlez-vous français? This this is uh, a beer that's named after a, a, a neighborhood in a city in Belgium. Uh, not French, whatever. Yeah, Jupier sur what? I'm not even going to try. Okay. Point is, it's not Jupiter. But yeah, it, it's there's no T. There's an L, and this just absolutely blows my mind. So even, and, and not only that, it's a lager. It's a pale lager versus an a West Coast style IPA. Yep. So nobody should be getting these two things confused. Nope. And even the AB InBev uh, cease and desist letter weirdly supports 
Jupiter, like the the Forest Hills claim. Yes, because Jupiter is a planet. Jupiter is a planet. This other thing is a made up word. Uh, therefore, there is no conceptual comparison to be made. W- what? I mean, they are saying in their cease and desist letter that there is no comparison to be made. Ah. They played themselves. Yes. This is dumb AF. We've seen some real dumb Sycamore Stone, real dumb um, trademark issues recently. And I love talking about trademark law because it's black and white until it's not. This, are you serious? Like, this be dumb. Yeah. This be dumb. Like, what? what yeah, when I re- was reading through this, I, I saw the same thing you did, and I'm like, why is AB saying that Jupiter and Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupli, whatever, can't be compared? There's the email slash memo that was like, here's what we want you to say. And then there's the follow up that was like, but don't say this. Right. And the wrong thing got put in there. Yeah, they're like, oops. Now, just because we haven't heard of this peer, not well, also because we can't pronounce it, in it the, is incredibly popular in Belgium. Yeah, one it, in two beers in the French-speaking region of southern Belgium is this, this specific beer. So, yeah. And yeah. It's, it holds I mean, a 40% like, share in Belgium in general. If you really think this West Coast IPA is going to come to South Belgium... You know, like you do, we're going to distribute one place, you guys. We're going to South Belgium, specifically because of the name confusion. We're going to take over. Right. Unless AB and Bev says no. Yeah. And if you can't tell your consonants part, like, come on, y'all. Fonts are difficult. L L is not a T. You've seen enough posts, you know, in the memes out there where the font makes all the difference in the world. Yes, that is true. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> we will be. <sighs> I, I know Josh is already shaking his head, and, and Lord knows this is going to be a topic. the The concept of ready to drink cocktails, or RTD, uh, has as Josh had an RTD once. I did, but he took some penicillin and got over it. Right. Um, See, doctor, get rid of it. the The reason that I clicked on this article was because I read that Coca-Cola and Jack Daniels are joining forces for a ready-to-drink Jack and Coke which is in five, a can. 5% ABV. 5% ABV. I don't know about y'all, but when I mix a Jack and Coke... I'm mixing it for a fucking reason. I mi- Well, I'm mixing it for a reason, but I am... It, it's to taste it. I promise you, I am. It, they are not five percent ABV. That no, they are not. And and that's the. Th- this is where I, when I saw this, and it's it's new trendy, and it's going to take over hard seltzer. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. The okay, Jack and Coke isn't going to take over hard seltzer, but maybe the RTD RTD is going to because it's. Hard fresca. It's. I have a very convenient way to make an RTD right here. Could you tell what's in this? But it's no. Not, but it's I not take, RTD. You have to. I could take this. You have to get a glass. Oh my god! It's so hard. It's in a container. It's ready to drink. You're talking about like ready to mix, which is so fucking hard okay. to 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 mix. And I could easily take this to the beach, chock full of rum and coke or Jack and Coke, and. So, when you make a Jack and Coke, let's say you're using a full 12-ounce can. Uh-huh. How much whiskey are you putting in? Whether it's Jack or anything else. How much? How, wh- how a much? double. I always pour doubles. Always. Okay, so you're talking two ounces. Yep. Okay. Wells? I mean, I do it to taste, so probably one to one. Okay. One to one. Fuck. I know. Basically, I want to be able to Damn. know that I'm drinking Jack Daniels. Yeah, no shit. Wells <laughs> buys two cans of Coke, mixes it with a fifth of Jack, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And, and your doctor's like, uh, we need to talk. You get this bad boy, and you can. 
All right, so to, to get to the, I did some quick math here. So 5% alcohol by volume on 350 milliliters is 17.5 milliliters, which equates to 0.6 ounces. So not even a full shot's worth, if you will, of alcohol. And you know that this is, this this. I'm assuming, I shouldn't say you know, I'm assuming that this is Jack Daniels flavored malt beverage and not actually whiskey. Yep. Yeah. So, and to me, like, that's the biggest thing, you know, like yes. I had this conversation the other day and it's something we were talking about hard seltzers and I'm like, you know, the thing is so many of them taste like garbage because of artificial sweeteners and yet they're still a hundred calories. Yep. Give me the 120 calorie that has actual sugar in it. I'd much rather drink that. But even then I don't like, I don't want that because I don't know what kind of alcohol's in it. Right. It's most likely the cheapest stuff out there. And yep. it probably isn't even actual like vodka or anything. Right. So, I mean, like you don't like for as much as the last two years has seen a rise of everybody being an expert on everything. Why is this the one thing that we don't want to know anything about? Yeah. I just want to party, man. Don't yeah. get in my way. Yeah. It, well, don't harsh and, my mellow. And to it, it, let's face it. You were, especially this, at least in my opinion, you were drinking this for a reason, right? Get turned? Yep. Eventually? Eventually, versus me just buying a bottle of Jack and a two liter of Coke, and I can get turned way faster with way less calories, way less carbs, way less anything. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, my my son's 1999 Toyota 4Runner that's, that does zero to 60 in, yes. Like, it, it will get to 60. And eventually. Yes, yes, it will. You will eventually get drunk. You might also get diabetes from how much sugar you're ingesting yes. here. And like, I feel like that's going to give you the hangover as much as anything else. Yes. Like, also, you know, like I'm sure they don't want to be dropping 7 to 10%, you know, like whatever. I just, I although I have seen, because um, I'm, I'm continually looking for the Mountain Dew Seltzer. Oh, Yes. There are a couple um, seltzer makers out there that have imperial seltzers that are like eight percent alcohol. Oh, when we went to the uh, the fancy common market, she bought a twelve pack of seltzer that was Untitled Art and some. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, what? I, I had to look at the box like four times, going, huh? What and is happening? And apparently, they're very good juice. Yeah, like like they're just very you know like like very fruit forward and uh, great great but again imperial seltzers with like eight percent alcohol in it yeah i mean yeah. there's an easier path for this yeah see wells you, you you stirred the the hornet's nest again oh i know that's why i posted this article because fuck this idea fuck this idea and, it, and, but, and it's not gonna take over the market ready to drink yeah cocktails no. Yes, it will. No, it we won't. Are already, People yeah. are getting tired of seltzer. This will become the new thing, and then it'll all even out. And then people will just start buying fucking handles and, and two liters and being adults and mixing I mean, them together. You think about it like a lot of the big trends come as a response to other trends. And for a good minute... The big trend has been like craft cocktails. Yeah. And you have to go to a speakeasy. Oh, you, try, to, you gotta wax your mustache and you've gotta wear the right kind of vest. Trust and, trust me, buying a I don't know, it was probably a twenty twenty five dollar craft cocktail, which was a barrel aged Manhattan. Sure. Which was fantastic. I'm sure it was. But I'm like, this is not really a you you stuck it in barrels. I, I can see your barrels against the wall. Oh, I know, uh, I know where you are. Did did you really barrel H this, or is it just in a barrel? Oh, it, it's just in a barrel, isn't it? Are you saying that it's barrel aged like it's artisan farm to table? You know, hoof and mouth is. I mean, not I mean, <laughs> like we get. You know, I, and and you know, we got to be careful where we're drawing the line and where we're poking fun because craft beer can get real bad about that too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Absolutely. it's locally sourced ingredients and it's hand foraged, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, like, that's not always okay either. No, it's not. But, but again, like, I would look at this and I would say, you know, why don't you just, like, mix your own shit? Yep. Be a grown-ass adult. 
buy you a nice, solid, double steel walled water bottle. Put in it whatever you want. There is no limits to this. Yeah, and take it to the beach. Yeah, get get turned on this. It's fine. Woo. Uh, all right, well, last story up. So this has nothing on its face to do with craft beer. This is all about how finished whiskey has jumped the shark. But it got me started thinking of finished whiskey is just now jumping the shark. Where the hell has bourbon been lagging behind craft beer for the last 10 years, apparently? Yeah. Because it was a big deal in the whiskey world when a distiller like Angel's Envy is coming out with a bourbon that then gets finished in Caribbean rum or port barrels. And last show, I mean, we just had a a double-barreled Imperial Stout. We've had on the show beers finished in whiskey barrels that also held beer that held whiskey before that. So, maple syrup. Oh, maple syrup. We, <laughs> I've we, had, we've had some Big Bad Baptists that have probably lived in like seven barrels at one point. We've had Big Bad Satan's Baptists asshole. that lived, you know, in like bacteria infested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm reading this article and it's really good to the point that I've added this guy's book because he wrote a book a couple of years ago about like. Which, uh, as you read this article, did you not feel like this was really just an advertisement for his book? Because I kind of did. To me, it's more like, here's what I wrote a couple years ago, and I'm going to focus on like one chapter and how far things have come in the last five years. Yes, which is a valid point, but, but I guess here's where I got really confused because most of these... Finished whiskeys are in like sherry casks or yeah. rum casks or different things like that. And they're making a big deal out of it. Whereas to me, I'm like, what's wrong with this? Like, I guess I it was not like I'm I, not the bourbon purist. I'm yeah, not the bourbon purist. I, I don't believe there was th- that there's the same kind of acceptance where there were so many breweries that were trying to one up each other and outdo each other. Yes. Aging in barrels became very much in vogue after Bourbon County Stout really took off. Yep. People yep. are like, oh, wow, I like bourbon. I like, you know, big heavy beer. Like, this is a match made in heaven. When you're drinking bourbon, you don't necessarily like, you know, people like to appreciate the intricacies of it. And it's a, you know, like you've got the folks that are like, oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a simple, you know, this and this and that. And there's nothing fancy going on. But to have, stuff finished in other barrels like it's becoming more common yeah. it's weird to think that it's all that they're saying it's jumped the shark because i feel like it's it's still somewhat in, in its infancy it is and uh cold brew coffee that had been aged in bourbon barrels and or aged in barrels and now they're aging bourbon in those cold brew coffee casks or in maple syrup casks um these are things that we don't in the craft beer community bat an eye at for the most part. I mean, hell, I had something aged in hot sauce barrels before. Oh. <sighs> it was special. Yeah, Let me just tell you that much. Um, it was Dale's Pale Ale of all things. Okay. Um, aged in hot sauce barrels. It was, it was weird, but... Here is the the bourbon, the whiskey community suddenly getting outraged over things that have been happening to craft beer for over a decade. Yeah. So and but, like like oh first is this your first time? Are you new here? Right. <laughs> but but also I think you know in the bourbon world especially it very much is built on tradition and time because there's not a lot of good bourbon you buy that hasn't been in the barrel for at least six years. Right. And so it's they, they can't pivot as quickly as craft beer did. Yes. The stuff that we see, you know, that we have on the show even, like it, it it's gonna take them a while to get there. Yeah. Because is this batch even any good? Should we do anything else with it? To take a gamble and put stuff in port barrels. Or yeah, sherry casks or oh yeah, for sure. Rum or any of the other stuff that's out there. And you know, if you go to if you continue to read through this article, they even talk about Dickel did a Tabasco 
aged whiskey. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, not sure that I would really want that, but you know, hey, I did add another product that was name dropped here uh, to my shopping list of uh, a barrel aged gin. Uh, the barrels were emptied, and then whiskey was put in there and aged for a period of time. So it's a gin barrel-aged bourbon, and I want it so bad. I, I also, too, wonder, like, is this the preemptive hipsterization, a preemptive hipster response of, it's already jumped the shark, knowing full well that in the next five to ten years, we're going to yep. see a huge influx yep. of... All of these bourbons were distillers have taken a gamble and it may be the next big thing. Well, and, and that's kind of what this article goes on to talk about, too, is the fact that it did happen. Like Angels Envy was kind of one of the first to do it and it went out to, you know, a bunch of hate and everything. And now it's one of the most sought after whiskeys that's out there on the market. It's so good. I went to Angels Envy when I was in Louisville. Um, did not get a chance to take the tour because everything in Louisville is sold out five weeks in advance. But I did stop by their tasting room and picked up, um, I've had the port barrel aged, but uh, I picked up the Caribbean rum and that sucker is delicious. I bet it is. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, where has this been in my life? Kind of delicious. In barrels. Yeah. But I, I do think it's funny that they're... There's a lot of uproar and a lot of butthurt in the whiskey community, or at least from this one article, well, uh, this one author. But, man, it, it's funny to see uh, the bourbon community uh, suddenly having to deal with things that are old hat to craft beer. Yeah. They're suddenly having to deal with competition and innovation in, in an area where breweries are set up in Lexington because of the water. They follow a very specific process. You know, your ingredient list may be different, but there's a very yeah. Your your mash may be different. Yeah. You know your barrels. It's all charred oak. I mean, like, it's done a specific way on purpose. Yep. Intentionally. Yes, and and and, got- and, and Jeff, you were right. That is, it's tradition. Like, you don't fuck with tradition in the bourbon. And world. then when you've got somebody who is going against tradition. Why are you doing that? Number one, you're not doing what we're doing. We didn't all agree that you were going to do this thing. Right. And now people are going to come asking me for something that I'm not going to be able to give them for six more years. Yep. At minimum. Yep. Now, there are some good examples of maybe things have gone a little bit too far where they use um, parts of Louisville Slugger baseball bats to... gimmick, A gimmick. But again... As a craft beer fan, I'm looking at this like, I don't know. Like, yeah, look, y- y- y'all remember the Moby Dick beer? I'll Do you remember say, the year the beard beer? Yeah, the beard beer. Do oh, you remember? God, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the Moby Speaking Dick. Speaking of beer, sriracha, they they brewed the beer with pages of Moby Dick in it. Yep. Oh. God. Yep. That happened. I, I do remember the sriracha beer, and I didn't love it on its own, but I did cook with it. I, I or I, bought, I was going to say the Voodoo Zona beer. Or well, no, that was an abomination. That was a sin. Meanwhile, was we're, a we're basically name dropping like all the same breweries beer. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. And here's this other crazy thing they made, and this other crazy thing they made, and this other crazy thing. Yeah, they made. but yeah, I mean, I, I, I see. Well, your point of hey, bourbon, welcome to it, bud. We've been here for a minute. Hey, at least they're not like, hey, today we're making uh, you know a new batch of Whistle Pig featuring Lucky Charms. Yes. <laughs> At least yet. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Copyright crap beer, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, God. Oh, jeez. I can't wait to try the first cereal finished bourbon. Well, I mean, I love the peanut butter whiskey because I'm a monster, but Screwball is so good. Fireball? It, ugh, not Fireball. Screw, it's called Screwball, and it's a peanut beer whiskey, and it's fucking delicious. But you're a peanut butter junkie. I am. But I guarantee you uh, that was finished some way, and I, I don't know what the hell they did to make it taste like peanut butter. Kind of surprises Louisville Slugger uh, bourbon doesn't come with a peanut butter and jelly. 
And now we're ready for break. Yep. We'll be back in 30. Time for buy don't buy. I'll explain how it works. Pretty simple. We've been drinking beer on the show. We give it a very simple rating of a one or a zero. Jeff, what is our first beer up? First beer up uh, from Devil's Logic here in Charlotte. It's their community Kolsch. Uh, bought one of these for my new neighbor because he was in a Kolsch, and uh, then I he was in a cult. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then I had one and I liked it, and then I bought some more, and then I bought another four pack, uh, thinking I'd bring one onto the show. And then I drank through that four pack, and so I had to buy another four pack today. So big shocker, I like this beer. Um, it's clean and crisp, and um, I enjoy it a lot. It's a buy for me. Wells? Oh, it's a buy for me, too. It is clean, crisp. It's just what I'm looking for on hot summer days, and I've already gone back to the well twice on this. It's uh, quite lovely. Josh? One of those breweries in town that's really not far from the house, and yet I've never been. Don't know why. It's a good beer. I'll Absolutely. fix that. Next beer up. Uh, next beer up from Burial. This is Unavoidable Narrative. If any of you had that on your bingo board. Yes. That's the shortest Burial beer name I've seen. And in it's second. in a bottle. What it's the in hell? A bottle. Uh, this is a collaboration between Burial, Dissolver, and Cellarist. So three Asheville breweries. Um, this is a bottle-conditioned Pilsner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, it's okay. Um, it's okay. I found myself enjoying the culture a lot more than this. Um, yeah, uh, no buy. It's 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 fine. It's just I, I don't. I'm not gonna spend money on it. Wells. Um, I'm trying to come up with some additional information on this one. <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's an oak lagered pilsner. Um, I'm getting a little bit of that oak. Um, this is really tasty. It's not as crispy as I'm looking for, like not as crispy as I found with that Kolsch, but, you know, Cellarest kind of does those weird oak-aged fermentals, so uh, this is in line with that. Uh, I'm a buy. Josh. Uh, by the way, listener, I was laughing at Jeff because Jeff famously has been on the show for eight years and still does not know what string to pull to turn the light on or turn the fan down and constantly gets it wrong. It's it's that thing where I know it, it's a 50-50 shot. And I'm like, okay, I know which one it is. And then I get into my own head every single time. I was sitting there watching you look at it and you're like counting back and forth. And I'm like, he's going to pull the wrong one. He's going to oh pull, yep, pulled the wrong one. Yep. Uh, no, this beer, is, this beer is really good. Uh, it's got a lot going on for a Pilsner, which is kind of crazy to say that a Pilsner has a lot going on, but it's absolutely delicious and a big, huge buy. Jeff, next beer up. Uh, next beer up from Resident Culture in collaboration with Casita. This is their uh, Century of Slang Ordinary Bitter. Um, this is real good. It's got a little bit of roasty to it. It's got some good body to it. Um, it, it's that beer flavored beer. Like I hate to cliche it like that, but it's just, it's just very well made. It tastes very good. I like this a lot. I'm a big buy. Wells. My desert Island style of beer is extra special bitter. Uh, This is just a regular English bitter, but it's also sitting in at a very manageable three and a half percent. I can drink this anytime I want. It is delicious every time I have it. I'm a big buy. Josh. Yeah, this just already pulls me back into football fall. Like, oh, God, I I could drink all of this all the time. Put it in my veins. Yep. This is delicious. Absolute buy. Jeff, next beer up. Uh, Up next uh, from Cigar City, this is their high-low. Uh, this one was canned in uh, February. 
February 7th. It's a turd in a box. No, no, you already said that. You, I know. You, you said that last year. You can't uh, have two turds in the box. Um, <clears throat> He's like, bet. <laughs> bet. Because right now, I think you're... Did we have... A, was there a third one? No, it's just these two. Thanks for giving us the turds. You're welcome. I will say what's interesting. Uh, on this can, they have printed the kind of like... Um, Breakdown: 120 calories, 11 grams of pro of uh, carbs, zero protein, zero fat. So, in case you're worried about no proteins, bro. In ca- case you're worried about uh, fat, fat content, fat my content beer, in my beer, good. Yeah, can't, can't get them gains from this beer. No, um, does it fit my macros? Anyway, high low is uh, like their low ABV version of an IPA. Uh, I you know untapped. Calls it a session IPA. It's four percent. Um, it tastes like a watered down IPA to me, and so uh, I don't want to buy it. No thanks. Wells. So it's a little old, and it's a little out of my wheelhouse. But for some reason, I'm really vibing with this. And even though it's the turd in the box, oh, it's the second turd in the box. I know. See, I hate. I absolutely detested the other one. Uh-huh. But this one's fine. Like. For as far as turds go, I I will buy this, Josh. Yeah. So again, uh, white oak, highlight, delicious, fresh, normal highlight, delicious, fresh, uh, whatever. I, I you two deserve these two beers. That's why. Well, thank I don't, you so I don't, much. I don't believe that is uh, a truthful fact. I believe that is uh, mean and spiteful. And uh, just for that, uh, Wells and I are bringing nothing but Apple Brandy beers in the next two shows. Cool. I can just finally maybe drink my non-alcoholic beer. Uh, so, yeah, no bite. Jeff, final, final beer, beer up. up uh, from Pipeworks. This is their Cryptic Bones, a hazy pale ale, a 7% hazy pale ale. Yeah, we're already uh, well above the line of a pale ale. For me, interesting. On that Untapped, Untapped calls it six and a half percent. The label here says seven. Take it for what you will. Um, it's a it's a slurry uh, IPA, Motuyuka and Azaka hops. It's hazy. There's hazy, and then there's like this kind of slurry thing that I'm not into. Um, no thanks, no buy. Well, I'm not going to buy this either. The carbonation's way over. The body's way too thin. It, this is a sharp beer to me. I'm having a hard time with it, and I'm not going to buy this. What the fuck, Pipeworks? Josh. Yeah, this was out of the two Pipeworks that I bought. Um, I felt like the Pineapple Pale was a little better than this. Not not enough to buy it. Um, I, I will stand by Jeff's argument of just give me unicorns versus ninjas, because... Yep. Why are you making all these pale ales? Um, They're 7%. Yeah. not a pale ale. Yeah, no, that's not a pale ale. Uh, yeah, this is a... Unfortunately, it's a no-buy. Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. It's just a no-buy. Yep. Some time for I'd tap that? How does that work? How does un- I'd tap that work? Mm-hmm. Or are you asking me? Uh-huh. Or just in general? In, in general. To the room. Uh, well, of all the beers that we've been drinking on the show, what's the one that we would tap? What's the one that we want on tap on our home kegerator? Jeff, kick us off. It's the Kolsch for me. Um, that Devil's Logic. I, like, I can't tell you the last time I had uh, what I'd call like a, um, he said clean beer, because that typically means like a non-sour, but our non-cultured beer. Um, but I, I, like I said, I'm on my third four pack of this and that's impressive. I, I keep going back and buying it. Uh, it, it just drinks so well and it's stupid hot right now. And so it's good. Well, it's gotta be the century of slang. I mean, I guess I already knew because it's a bitter in the lineup, but three and a half percent, even though it's hot as hell outside, this still drinks light. And uh, it's just perfect for summertime. Perfect summertime bitter. Josh. This isn't fair. There's two really good beers. There's a lot of... Well, well that's no. what you get for bringing this outdated junk turd boxes. You're welcome. Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to give it to the Kolsch, but that ESB was right up there. Uh, they're both fantastic. No, it's just a bitter. Oh, just it's a not bitter. A, 
ESP is it's like, not an extra special. Exactly. That, that's the like better. the next next level up. But it it was, it was still damn good. But that Kolsch is fantastic. So that goes on tap. Jeff, we're at the end of the show. Where are we at? Come check us out on the interwebs. Go to craftbeercast.com. Then tell a friend that you went to craftbeercast.com. Then slide into Josh's DMs at CBcast and tell him what's up. What's up? Wells. Uh, anyway, um, you can find me on Instagram at all the wells and hopefully maybe uh, at craftbeercast on Instagram. Yeah, do you do, do you want me to start like texting you and saying yes? Please post to yes. okay. Josh, where are you? You can follow me on Twitter at JoshCBC. Don't forget to rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Don't forget about our subreddit slash r slash craftbeercast. And other than that, we will talk to you guys next Thursday.